Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, this is Brett Claywell, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah, oh, this is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hi, this is Beth Maitland. And this is Joel Brooks. And we're on Brandon's Buzz. We're buzzing with Brandon. We are. We're buzzing with Brandon. So tune hey, in. Hey, this is Nicholas Rodriguez. You are listening to Brandon's Buzz. Be prepared to laugh. You're going to have a good time. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. This is Pamela K. Long, and I am buzzing with Brandon. And I can tell you that it's some of the most fun that you'll have. So you need to tune this in. This is Gloria Loring, and I've just been buzzed by Brandon, and I gave Brandon some buzz. This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. guys and welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. It is Tuesday, January 5th, 2010. It's 10 p.m. in the east, 7 p.m. out west, 9 p.m. here in Texas, and it's the first Brandon's Buzz of a great new year, and I'm thrilled that you guys have found me and are listening to what promises to be another great year here at Brandon's Buzz. I'm celebrating my one-year anniversary next week, and I'll tell you all about that at the end of the show, and I'll tell you how to find the show at the end of the show in case you don't know, because uh, I've got a great guy on the phone here, and I just want to dive right in. Um, you know, uh, Eleven words performed and performed blisteringly well. Two verses in an unassuming pop song, Hold On Little Girl, Show Me What He's Done to You, made him an overnight star some 15 years or better after he started trying to be one. Uh, The song was called To Be With You, the band was called Mr. Big, and the brutally sexually soulful voice at the helm managed to light an unstoppable brush fire across Top 40 Radio in the winter of 1992 with a tune that is still fondly remembered to this day. You know, Mr. Big disbanded for a while, but its fearless leader has continued making terrific music and living the life of his dreams in the years since, and he's just released his latest project, a bold collection of pop covers entitled Timeless, and he's come by the buzz this evening to uh, discuss all of this and so, so much more. Uh, I'm a big fan of this guy and his 25-carat voice, and it's such an honor and a thrill to welcome to my program the ferociously talented Mr. Eric Martin. Holy shit. (laughs) My God, you know, I think of myself as a, you know, writer, but I I can't say anything else after that introduction except those two words, my friend. Lord, nice, good one. You had me at Gloria Loring on your uh, introduction. Yeah, anyway. You you know, I've had had some great, I've, I've been doing this a year, next week it'll be a year, and you know, I've had some great conversations with people that I have long admired, and I'm thrilled to add you to that list. Thank you, man. So, yeah, I'm a big soapy. I'm a big soaper. But, oh, uh, what, what do you watch? Okay, sadly enough, I don't watch Gloria Loring on her show. I've yeah. been watch, I was, but, but I know who she is. Uh-huh. You, know, I, you know, I read the Digest, my friend, Okay. since, uh, like, the 60s. But uh, all my children, okay. you know, like, you know, Rock musicians, you know, they're playing at nighttime, sure. you know, and in the daytime, there's nothing to do except watch soap operas. You know, we always hear about rock stars and and sports stars, and you know, all these people who work at night, who who you know are glued to the TV during the day, and it it makes perfect sense. Yeah, God, I mean, back one life to live. Actually, no, you know, what does it start with back in the day? Ryan's Hope. Uh, sure. <laughs> one life to live. All my children in General Hospital. Uh-huh. You know, it's like the whole. I, I used to sit. I remember I'm making my first few records in the 80s and uh i'm uh, right before i went to the studio i'm sitting there with my friend you know i'm in los angeles at the time and my friend was like up in the mountains of like you know of washington state and here we're both on the telephone yelling at the screen to like you know to luke and saying (laughs) she's right there dude just just tell her that you love her and like you know I'm like 5'10". My friend is like built like a grizzly bear. Okay. And and here he is, you know. <laughs> Can you believe what she's wearing? You know, stuff like that. That's hilarious. Anyway. You know, I, I'm a big soap fan. I have been my entire life, and One Life is my show, so. Oh, dude, hey. Okay, here here's a classic for me. I used to wear, like, you know, just on, on stage, I just used to wear, like, jeans and a jean jacket and kind of a red and white striped shirt. You know, it was like back in the 
early 80s, you know. And uh, But I used to have this button, I love Laura. <laughs> I know, I'm such a, you know what, I don't, get, I don't care, I don't care, but anyway, I went to, I was playing a gig at Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles, Okay. and uh, General Hospital people were doing like a little, uh, I don't know, some kind of a meet and greet, and uh, I met Laura and I kissed her, I kissed her on the cheek. Holy God. I, I didn't lip lock her or anything like that, but I kissed her. <laughs> I, I told everybody I did lip lock her, though, you know, just to make it, you know, enhanced. But, uh-huh. but anyway... I love getting into that kind of stuff because it was maybe it helped me as a writer, you know, because it was just so dramatic, absolutely, you know, and emotional. I loved it. And you know, I mean, if you think about, I mean, people make fun of soaps, and and you know, for good reason on a certain level because you know they are very melodramatic and very soapy and very you know larger than life. But you know, when you think about it, all the great novels of, of history, Anna Karenina, you know, all these all these great oh, yeah. huge oh. epic novels, they're soap operas. That's that's what they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's, you know, everybody loves a good story. Everybody loves great characters and, you know, uh, very relatable uh, uh, topics and situations and, and, you know, things that they can imagine themselves in. No, I, I love the soaps. I remember when I first came to New York, like in 1979, 80 or something, went to New York and I was just hanging around the, uh, what is it, ABC? You know, ha- hanging around the building, you know, uh-huh. where the soaps were. Uh-huh. Just like total grouping out and stuff. <laughs> I know, you know, I've never told anybody that, but but that's okay. I loved them. And I I still have this friend of mine today, this this girl, Pam. Every time I see her, we're like, I go, you still watching the soaps? She goes, oh, my gosh. Let me tell you what Tad did today, you know, or something like that. Yeah, Mike, I remember that guy, too. His name was Michael Knight. Uh Uh-huh. Michael E. E. Knight or Michael Knight? No, Michael E. Knight, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like all about Tad. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's uh, let's start at the beginning here. Give me the sixty second bio on Eric Martin. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where'd you go to school? Let's get that out of the way. Basically, uh, I was born in Long Island, New York. Okay. My dad was in the army, and we traveled all over the world. We settled up to um, San Francisco. My before my dad was in the army, he was in a he was a drummer, and he played uh, he played with like a bunch of groups back in the day. But like you know people like Doris Day and. The four aces at one time, he backed him up. And and so I think, you know, through him, I, I wanted to be like my dad, so I wanted to be sure. a drummer. And, and uh, that didn't kind of work. That didn't work out at all. I could only play that one beat by Credence. You know, I could only do that one Suzy Q yeah. beat. You know, but, so I don't know how. I, I think I just became a singer because the singer didn't show up for practice one day. And uh, I just, I did both as a drummer and singer and just... Wow. And I don't know how it came about. My mother sings a little bit. She's in some choirs and stuff, but not, nobody nobody I knew was doing it professionally. So I sort of just picked it up by myself. My first record, believe it or not, I found in a field. And it was uh, Ricky Nelson. Moved into the Beatles, the Stones, and then I found the Motown story. Okay. And... I think, you know, put it all put all that stuff in a blender and and that was me. But yeah, I was really in love with the the the, the Motown sound and then that graduated to uh Stax Volt and sure. anyway, kind of grew up listening to this music and, you know, playing in a bunch of bands all over the world like, you know, where my dad was stationed. But I uh, came to San Francisco, I was on Electra Records. I got signed to Electra with my band, Eric Martin Band. I, nobody in the band liked the name. I loved it. Imagine that. Yeah, our, well, we were called 415, uh, the area code of San Francisco. Uh-huh. That was our name. And uh, and it, the band was, like, really into it. But, like, the, at the time, um, 1980, you know, these are the days of, like, the singers, like, John Waite came out and uh, Paul Young. And, and our manager just kind of went, you know, hey, look, Eric's writing the songs. He's the focal point guy. Uh-huh. Uh, we want to have just his name, and we'll, you know we'll put an Eric Martin band to appease the band. You know? And I was like, "Come on, guys, rally around the flag, follow me!" You know? so we toured all, you know, all over the United States with a bunch of people, ZZ Top and Eddie Money. I remember back wow. in the day. And then, yeah, oh, and talk, uh, talk about a school of rock. Tons of different, uh, you know, diversity. Uh, like we're talking like Ozzy Osbourne. Molly Hatchet, Go West. I mean, like pretty much anything. Wow. You know, 
call the club up and go, you know, we'll pay you to open. <laughs> and and that did happen back then. You know, there was like, you know, you pay to play in a way. Selling tickets ourselves and splitting it with the owner. Of the, and then uh, the band kind of drifted apart after this little ZZ Top tour that we did back in 1983, 84. And then 85, I got signed to Capitol Records as a solo artist. I forgot to mention that my manager, Herbie Herbert, managed Journey. So Neil Sean from Journey was uh, kind of a gift horse for me. Okay. My mentor and him and I wrote a few songs and I got noticed by this guy, Joel Silver, you know, the producer. Sure, yeah. And he he brought me in to uh, do a movie soundtrack called Teachers. And then I subsequently got signed to Capitol Records. Did a couple albums with Capitol. And, uh, you know, the same old story, just same same story with Elektra as well. They hire me, and then like about 500 people get fired from the record company, including your A&R guy that signs you. Uh-huh. This is what happened to Elektra, and the same thing happened at Capitol. And the A&R guy that signed you either quits or gets fired. Yep. And they have a new guy coming in, and he's like, okay, who we have on the roster? Uh, no. <laughs> you know? Eric Martin, no. <laughs> Get rid of this kid. Put Katrina and the waves on the, you know, radio. So that kind of folded, and around 1988, I was asked to join Toto. Steve Lukather, the guitar player for Toto, played on a few of my solo records. Okay. So, you know, he he loved my voice. He loved my, my vibe. He, he thought, you know, one thing about being in a band with somebody, you know, it's great to have everybody talented, but it's also have everybody have a, a really good personality as well because uh-huh. you're going to be cooped up in a bus or an uh-huh. airplane or pretty much being with that person for 24 hours a day. So, you know, you have to be compatible. So Luke and I, we were brothers. So, so he came down with the whole Toto band to San Francisco, and uh, they loved me. And so I was in the band. I was in the band for about a week. I practiced and I practiced all these great songs like. You know, hold the line and Africa. Sure, sure. And God, what was it? Georgie Porgy? What was it, like ninety nine? Woo! You know all that. Really good. I, I totally thought this was a perfect um, hybrid of my past. You know, rock and R and B in a way. You know, everybody loved me and they were whining and dining me and uh, I, I went in the studio with them, kind of tried to make some recordings and, but the drummer Jeff Picaro. He thought, he goes, man, this kid's too green. Oh. So it was like, uh, crushed me because, you know, he I, he was an idol of mine as well. But, uh-huh. hey, you know, he saw something maybe I wasn't mature enough for him or musically and, pers- and personality-wise or something. But it crushed me because I went, oh, God, do I have to start all over again? <laughs> and then um, at the end of 88, I got a phone call that uh, changed my life at the time from Billy Sheehan. Uh, bass player extraordinaire from from Mr. Big. I mean, we weren't Mr. Big at the time. It was just Billy gave me a call through a friend of ours named Mike Varney, who was a kind of a uh, entrepreneur, uh, music entrepreneur. He's got his own record company, and he's kind of a headhunter. He he discovered all these great rock and roll guitar players, and he knew Billy. And long story short, Billy gave me a call, and uh, we kind of created Mr. Big. We got a our guitar player, Paul Gilbert, our drummer, Pat Torpy, wrote our first album in eight days. That was the first album, Mr. Big. And, mm-hmm. then the, and we toured all over the world, struggling all over the world. We were like, at the time, we were like, God, I can't wait till we make a, a lot of money so we can get a roadie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to get a pillow. <laughs> you know, it was really, oh, man. You know, man, I'd love to get a left shoe. Anyway, you get my idea. You get my get. You get the gist. So anyway, then lean into it. The second album came out. We released a bunch of maybe four or five sing- singles. Our record did okay. We we're just about ready to go to, to the drawing board in this radio station, which I don't know the call letters, but it's out of Nebraska. But I do know the uh, the DJ that that spun the record. His name is John Terry guy you know kind of saved us from oblivion i guess but um were you pretty lucky to get that second record in the first place because you know nowadays it probably wouldn't happen you know what we were doing great overseas 
and we were going to be dropped after the first album. We were on Atlantic. Mm-hmm. We were, I know I, I had a feeling that we were going to be dropped from the first album uh, when it didn't it didn't even go gold and you know the old cliche oh it went sand yeah. or bronze or <laughs> yeah yeah it didn't even I mean it did I'm not going to say critically acclaimed it did great as far as we were concerned I mean it was like you know on the top 100 hey it was 200 <laughs> so what it was you know it was but it was out there and. Uh-huh. It was a, more of an underground, uh, an underground type of record. A lot of guys came to the gig, you know, fists up in the air, yeah. sweaty, long hair, you know, a lot of testosterone. But when we played in Japan and Europe and the rest of, you know, Asia, Southeast Asia, we had a lot of attention. And so I think Atlantic kind of went, okay, let's try to, you know, let's see what happens. Maybe the rest of the world will, will take heed, you know. Uh-huh. So they give us a little chance, and they, they, you know, but they kind of didn't start stepping on our way until like the third album. Kind of like, oh, what you need to do? Hey, like, you need a hit. Gotcha. Here's a song, Incense and Peppermint, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you need a hit. <laughs> but um, they were about to ready to do that. But like, you know, hey, once you when you have hit, everybody comes aboard and goes. You betcha. Oh, you know, hey, you need to write another to be with you. To be with you all over again. To you be betcha. with you to be with you again. Anyway, so so to be with you was uh was the last single. It wasn't even released as single. This guy in Nebraska, John Terry, played it, did like one of those things back in the day called uh Smash or Trash. Okay. Right? And it was like, you know, people call up and they they called up and they said, This song's a smash. And it was like we didn't we played it at our gigs. We weren't pushing it. Atlantic wasn't pushing it. It was not, you know, it was one of those songs that just, it just spread like wildfire. And I was in, um, we were in Florida, and I was in a gig called uh, called Finkies. <laughs> it, was, it was on the beach in Daytona Beach. It's called Finkies. And it had like sawdust on the floor, peanut shells, uh-huh. no doors, because it's like, you know, there's the beach. That kind of vibe. And I went over in the corner and I started playing some pinball. And I look up and there's a video screen and it's MTV. And they go, okay, in our top 20 countdown or something like that, for the fourth, fifth week in a row, to be with you by Mr. Big. And I, hey, man, we were on a tour bus. There was no TV, you know. Again, you know, after I got that left shoe, I was like, my, my big, my big, my big, um, you know, present was going to be like, oh, I'm going to get a cell phone. <laughs> But back then, a cell phone was, you, like, yeah. you know, was like a shoe phone with a gigantic, yeah. you know, TV antenna. You Bigger know? than your head. Yeah, it was like one of those construction <laughs> phones, you know. Okay, so here we have Finkies, and I'm looking up in the MTV, Top 20 Countdown, you know, to be with you, four weeks on the charts. And they go, it, you know, it's the number one song in the country. And I'm thinking, do they mean the country of MTV, or do they uh, mean the United States of yeah. Yeah. of America. Oh, are we talking about the country of Singapore or yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh so I went to the payphone, called my mother. I go, Mom, can you go get a billboard? She didn't even know what a billboard was, you know. <laughs> and she went to get a billboard and she looked opened the page and said, Mr. Big, right there, number one. Holy God. Yeah, I, well at the time yeah, it was like number one. I do remember looking at a billboard like maybe couple months before and we were like a hundred down there uh-huh. you know and we were toasting champagne sure so we're on the paper just to see your name on the page must have been the greatest thrill of your life yeah exactly even you know like back in the day when they they'd met they'd mention like a bunch of hair bands and okay i'm i'm fine with it now hair bands are okay with me i don't care See a bunch of hair bands, and it would say Mr. Big in like you know out of like a hundred of them. Just if they mention that that name in Rolling Stones, like we're in the Rolling Stone, <laughs> we're not on the cover, but you know. So anyway, get get back to it. So number one, boy, we played Finkies, you know, lines around the block, this <laughs> the obscure place in Daytona Beach, Florida, and after that, all those guys that we used to see out in the audience became like guys and girls and it was it was really amazing it was great to ride the wave uh it lasted for a really long time like till like 1996 
and then around that area, and you know, we we had um, an album called Bump Ahead that came out of that. Mm-hmm. And then we had a guitar player named Paul Gilbert, who was like phenomenal guitar player, but he wanted to do his own solo thing. Plus, the, at that point, the band and I, me and Billy, were button heads. And remember, I told you earlier about how it's great to have talent, but if you know, if your personalities don't gel, yep. and you're on a tour bus, even the littlest things like. <laughs> I don't like the way you scrape your teeth with the fork. <laughs> and we got another guitar player, Richie Cotson, and then we did an album called Get Over It and then Actual Size. And, you know, we toured and toured and, you know, dagger eyes for each other. We were, like, you know, not getting along. And, and around 2002, we finally called it quits. So what did I do was uh, I, I was kept on the label but a Japanese label called East West, which was a subsidiary of Atlantic Records, mm-hmm. but only in Japan. And I did a solo album called Somewhere in the Middle, which was, I love that album. It was kind of a coffee table acoustic record, mm-hmm. the sad love songs, and it was it was kind of a mellower record, but great lyrics and, and uh, great emotion. And it was, it was good for me. It was a, you know, pretty therapeutic to do it. And it was, it was a, critically acclaimed when anybody says that critically acclaimed you know it's not oceans 11 you, yeah. you dumbass you know but uh after that the kids came and i was mr mom yeah you know and that's what i did for a few years you know for two or three years and you know what's yeah. funny is you, you know because of things like spinal tap and you know david hasselhoff's huge overseas success and you know other things of that nature I mean, you know, one of the kind of inside jokes in the industry is to say, oh, yeah, but I'm big in Germany. I'm huge in Japan. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is you are actually huge in Japan. You are actually huge in some of these other territories. And Yeah. I, I, was, I was asked by Sony Records, uh, Sony Music Japan International, called me out of the blue and said, okay, we have a, a project for you. And I'm like, yeah, chomping at the bit going, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to, you know, make some records again. And... I go, okay, are you sitting down? <laughs> I go, okay, well, what's the deal? And they go, well, we'd like to have you do this project. Well, we know that you can sing pop and R&B and all that stuff, but we'd like you to do a J-pop. And I had, I didn't know anything about J-pop, or I didn't even know what the new pop was, you uh-huh. know, because it's wrapped up in the rock world for so long. So they go, uh, yeah, we, we want you to do a J-pop record. And I go, yeah, I can do that. They go, cover songs. Okay, sure. I'm one of the last holdouts to do a cover album. Why does it? Why would you? Why would anybody want to do a cover album at this point? You know, hasn't Michael Bolton just like, you know, covered all that bass? You know, yeah. covered all those bases. And they, oh, Rod Stewart as well. You know, they go, yeah, we want, we want to do something like Rod Stewart, how he sang the American standards. Well, uh-huh. we want you to sing like Japanese pop standards. And I ask the question just like every one of my family or friends ask. I have to sing in Japanese? (laughs) And they go, no, you don't sing in Japanese. You sing translated uh, to English. And I'm going, okay. And they go, okay. And also, the songs that you're going to be covering were made popular by women. And I'm going, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. What else have you got for me? And they go, oh, yeah. And what do you think of the name Mr. Vocalist? And I'm going, okay, well, look, I think Mr. Vocalist, that's kind of capitalizing on Mr. Big, yeah. isn't it? And they go, yeah, what, what's your point? You know, right <laughs> kind of thing. And they go, and I go, yeah, well, I don't know. It seems a little pretentious to me, Mr. Vocalist. And they go, no, 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 the, we, the Japanese would love it. Plus, you're a man, you're singing songs made popular by women, Mr. And I'm going, and like I fought it for about a week. And there's just nothing I could do. And they went, yeah, we're going to call Mr. Vocalist. And I thought it was so corny until I went to Japan. And they loved it. They loved that stuff. They loved the name. You know, they loved the Mr. Vocalist. Uh-huh. I mean, I saw a band yesterday. I was looking on a Japanese site, and it said, like, Super Beaver. Okay, they they, are, they love all that kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> there, there's a band a, a huge band in Japan, and they're called Bumps of Chicken. And I'm going, okay. and I was asking my friends, I go, what does that mean? They go, yeah, like goosebumps. 
bumps of chicken. Anyway, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, Mr. Vocalist is perfect, you know, in Japan. So started doing these records. I, I did this first one, and it was, it was Japanese you know, female superstars, and I sang their songs. And I didn't know really know any. I, I heard a couple of the songs on the radio when I was in Japan, but for the most part, I didn't know any of it. And I just, I had demo music and, and a little bit of melody, and I kind of did my own thing. And, and I went, I, I don't know what to make of this. You know, I, I did it, and it's totally different. Well, it's not totally different than Mr. Big. I mean, I, it's my same voice. Mm-hmm. That to be with you kind of voiced, I guess, whatever that's all I could say, but but I had a little, little bit more smoothness to it. So I did it, and I didn't hear from them for a while, and then uh, they go, yeah, we want you to come to Japan and promote and do a bunch of videos. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, why am I getting all this attention for it? <laughs> and it's selling. Like, it sold like 200,000 records, you know, and it's just selling. It's still selling, wow. the first album. And then the second album I did... Which is kind of like was the same album cover as Timeless, but it's international songs. And it actually, most of those songs were picked by the Japanese. They had a little like a fan club kind of thing where Japanese fans would call up and they would say their favorite international songs. And we did a little tally and we picked the you know we picked the songs through them. And then I added a few songs like Superstar by by Karen Carpenter. I okay. always wanted to do that song. You know, I mean, granted, Luther Vandross did it years ago, and it was so beautiful. But you know, I wanted to add my flair to it. Plus, I wanted to do "Time After Time." Cindy Lauper. Mm-hmm. I just love that song. My mother—that was one of my mother's. I think it was my mother's favorite song. I mean, it was the last song I sang to her. So I did that, and that sold really good. Not as good as the first one, but it sold really good. Even though it's it's a cover project, I'm really proud of it. It's it. It sh- it shows, man. I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm fucking not bad at all. <laughs> this is pretty ambitious stuff on the face of it. I mean, even for a covers album, you're not taking, you know, you talked about Rod Stewart. You're not taking his route and kind of hiding behind the American songbook. You're you're daring to put your stamp on some of the biggest pop hits of the past twenty years. I mean, we're talking about My Heart Will Go On and Time After Time and yeah. and you know people like Mariah and Christina and Whitney. What was the what was the thinking behind this? Some of it, when I hear it now, I go, oh, God, am I copying? And I didn't want to copy. I wanted to make it my my own. I've uh-huh. said it a million times, but I wanted to make it my own. It was it was very, very important to me that I wasn't Mr. Karaoke on it, you know? The majority of those songs I loved. And when I look back at it, I'm looking back at it now, and granted, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing this record. I'm doing it. But the Japanese picked me to do um, I Will Always Love You. Yes. And I went, oh man, I not, I don't feel comfortable at doing this song. I don't want to do, uh, you know, step into the high heel shoes of Whitney Houston. You bet. I can't do it. It's not that I don't love it. I just kind of went. I, I thought, oh god, nobody's gonna like my version of this. I basically threw away all the violins and, you know, tucked back the velvet curtains. And made it more stripped down and to be with you style, I guess. You know, just really, really simple mm-hmm. acoustic style. You know, the song, if you listen to it, it sounds like a 50s song. For sure. It's, I mean, it's, it's, like a, a, it's an achingly simple song at, the, at, oh, at its base. Yeah, I mean, if you really dissected it, it's three little fishies. <laughs> you know, it really is. It's a doo-wop kind of song. Again, here I am, like, biting my fingernails, hoping that people will like it. But pe- you know, people do seem to like it. It's a different, different side of me. But then it's also I, I approached it like I would sing like Mr. Big stuff. Most of them are big, grandiose kind of songs. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, oh man, I'm just gonna, you know, like I would send them a vocal track, and they go, oh, it's not exactly. And I would write it back and say, well, I don't want it to be exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're missing the part. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Well, there you have it. I mean, I tell me more about myself. I, I really, really don't like talking about myself too much. Well, you know, I'll tell you my my favorite my favorite track on the album is your cover of uh, Alicia Keys' "No One." And you know, oh, right on. Your version of that song is not is not dramatically different from the original, which everybody knows. But uh, you know, what you end up doing is you prove how great and how 
how flawlessly constructed that song really is. And, you know, maybe you prove in your own way that a great song is a great song is a great song, regardless of what you do with it as a vocalist. Yeah. No, what a great moving song. I mean, like, but when she sang that song, have you ever heard her or seen her on TV or, or concerts doing that song? She pours so much emotion into it, so much genuine, heartfelt soul, you know. And I did the same, I, I felt like I did the same thing, but I didn't, it was about the song, just like you said, you know. Absolutely. So uh, talk to me about the music business a little bit. Compare compare the business in America to the business in other parts of the world. I mean, you know, as someone who has achieved great success in multiple areas of the globe, is is massive commercial success in America still kind of the holy grail, or is it changing a bit in that regard? I, I have really no idea what the younger bands want, really. There's so many of them. I can't – hey, look, it's evolution. I mean, it, it was kind of ironic to me that, like, you know, I loved Collective Soul, but they came out and I was like, it's alternative. <laughs> no, man, it, it's still – it's a rock band. <laughs> Why well, can't – dude, I can wear a Pendleton shirt yeah. and short pants and, and combat boots, too. You know, I liked Pearl Jam's. It was almost kind of like rock and roll meets the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. It was kind of jammy, you know, and I did like it. But, you know, since all my brothers and sisters in, in the rock world, hey, Pearl Jam, they suck. You're right, they suck. <laughs> you know, look, oh, you know, follow me, boys. So, so yeah, yeah, we did get chased out. We were kind of expatriates for a little while, but we still stayed in the game. Like I always said, you know, I mean, you know, you're going up the ladder, you're going down the ladder. Hey, we were on the ladder. Uh-huh. That's all I cared about. Uh-huh. You know, still on the ladder. So things have changed so much over the years for, sure. mu- for, for, for music. And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, God, at least we have a place to play. I'll get some curtains. I'll get a barn, <laughs> you know. Now I, now I look back on it like as a businessman, you know. Now I got like a left shoe and a right shoe, you know. But... At the time, I was so freaked out that it was number one and that it was going to be bounced off number one any minute that I didn't have a time to enjoy it, really. I was really excited when it happened, but I was like, I was biting my fingernails going, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, I was so Eeyore back then, you know. I was sort of like the guy in Gulliver's Travels. We're doomed. It's not going to work. That I didn't. I didn't stop and smell the roses, you know. But regardless, I'm still playing. I'm still having a good time. But my makeup is not like, oh, man, I can't wait to make it. I can't wait to... No, I don't. I really don't care about that stuff. I mean, it, right now, I mean, like, I did make some money. And I did get remarried. And I have children. And I have a great life. And all... My, my, the biggest worries now are like, what school my children should go to? <laughs> that was the big morning discussion. Should they go to Dixie or Mary Severa? You know... Like, I don't really care too much about making the grade. Oh, God, man, I got the brass ring. I, I, we sort of, kind of sort of did it. We're not Bon Jovi. We're not Aerosmith. We would we would have loved to be at the time. God, I mean, that's our fault for not staying together. Mm-hmm. Total bloody shame that we d- didn't buck it up and maybe, you know, get a psychiatrist. Maybe not make a movie, <laughs> but get us, you know, get some kind of band psychiatrist. <laughs> I feel so. Uh, I'm 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 happy that it, all these people have turned to turned to music, but there's so many of them. I walk into a record store if there is a record store around. You bet. And and it's just like, who are these people? You know, I mean, I still see the classical, classic, you know, rockers and and like the old, you know, the old guard. You know, even mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand's making the music, you know, uh-huh. again. But. Um, there's so many young bands and so many young artists, and I don't know what they want. I don't really. I think it's not about that anymore. I think it's just about that nobody really wants to be on the big labels, and that's a good thing. Sometimes you know you get kind of lost in the shuffle. No, everybody wants to have their own like little label or do websites and stuff like that because they, hey, look, you know they they can't can't fight like the big fight anymore. You sure. know you're you're. It's a whole different world now. Well, and you have people like Radiohead and Prince and, you know, all these people out there on their own proving that you can do it without... Of course you can do it. I mean, in a way, it's a bigger outlet. It, putting it on a website and putting it on 
you know, easy access websites is almost like selling it out of the trunk of your car. <laughs> I should have I should have did that years ago. I used to balk at that, going, huh, me? How dare you know? I would, that was, that's so lame. Oh my God! I mean, I'd be a, I'd be a rich man if I sold it out of the trunk of my car. You know? I mean, I guess I guess the counter argument for that is Prince and Radiohead and bands like that needed the the major label support to get to the point where they could do it without them. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword in that regard, I suppose. But, I mean, I, I think that the yeah, internet but is... At, at the time, like in the 80s, we, it, you know, we didn't have those kind of outlets, you know. Sure. We didn't have the websites and, you know, radio was the only thing. <clears throat> but it was mainly about, like, playing shows, you know, just kind of getting out there like that. But, you know, I really don't... Back in the day, 70s and 80s, Back in those days, you know, that it was very, very important to be known, to be seen in America. Mm-hmm. You know, I think anytime anybody can be seen in America, God, you can take a, a real, you can take a very untalented band and put them on YouTube, and and how goofy they are, they can have a million hits and become a gigantic, and they can sell a bunch of records. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you know. It's kind of kind of hard to take a little bit. Well, I mean, you, you know, look at somebody like Susan Boyle. I mean, you know, this uh, woman is the hottest-selling musical artist in the world right now. Uh, and what a great, you know, uh, I think she's on Sony. Because when I was in Japan, my uh, record company was, like, really pushing Susan. Uh-huh. And, like, oh, man, I watched that th- whole thing. I watched her, her, her flower unfold, you know, uh-huh. as well as everybody did. I mean, you, you, you watched it on TV. Sure. I mean, you saw that whole thing. Oh, my God. I mean, no offense to her, but like the ugly duckling turns into a swan. <laughs> and what a beautiful voice. But, but you know what? She strikes me as a woman that doesn't really care about all of it. Just kind of like, oh, man, I can't. Like every time she gets in front of a audience she looks at them like like it's a blind date you know <laughs> kind of like oh i'm so excited i don't know what to do you know and then she belts out her voice and she's amazing uh-huh you know but you know it, it i don't know if you've heard that record or not but if you listen to the record it doesn't sound very much like the susan boyle that the world fell in love with on that show really uh, you know it's 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 really strange i mean she sounds completely different and i'm wondering if uh-oh. If her massive breakthrough is just an anomaly, just a you know like a triumph of marketing, or if there's a bigger story at work there. Yeah, well, I'll let you and the scientist team <laughs> rack your brains with that one. That, <laughs> I, you, you just kind of like pop my balloon. I'm kind of <laughs> no, I, I I saw a success story, but like I also know behind the scenes what Pro Tools and record companies and A and R people and the freaking gauntlet that you have to go through to get your song out or she might have went in the big rocket or the big music factory like you know just like oh, this look at all the pretty lights you know <laughs> went went in and they just like dissected her uh-huh. they, they probably manchurian candidate her <laughs> to death they could have you know and what's what's your take on things like american idol has that been a boon of sorts for your business or has it, no. in a funny way, kind of made it even harder for true new talent to break through? Oh, God, yeah, man, it's not, it's so corporate. I don't dig the American Idol thing. I, it just It's just so factory. I mean, I kind of dig it because of my, you know, I love good television. You know, and I see my wife and friends as well, you know, it's going, oh, good on, American Idol's on. <laughs> it, the, the thing, it, it wore off for me. Anyway, the whole phenomena, phenomena of uh, American Idol, it's wore off. The whole, like, you know, now we're going to have Ellen DeGeneres in, yep. in there. Huh? <laughs> I don't get that. Why do we have, uh, you know, and now we have Roger, cab driver from San Francisco. You know, I'm blown away, though. I mean, I did like I when I watched it. I did watch it with, when uh, Kelly Clarkson won, uh-huh. and then followed her career. And I like I love her pop songs. And uh, well, there's no question yeah. that, that that show has found some amazing talent. I mean, oh, there's, yeah. there's Carrie, no question. Carrie, about it. But you know, I watch that I watch that show sometimes, I'm a, I'm and, I, and I think world. That, I think that that show sometimes makes it even harder for true new talent to get their foot in the door. Oh, absolutely. A whole musical television 
is like driving me nuts. You know, let's not even get me started on MTV. Yep. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, man, I don't even know what it is now. It, you know what I mean? It's sure not M anymore. It's definitely not M. <laughs> it's N. It's not. You know? <laughs> I haven't seen a video in so long. The only, <clears throat> only videos I watch is like on YouTube okay. or, or iTunes. I mean, at MTV, I just, well, what happened? I think yeah. VH1 shows them from like 3 a.m. to to 9 a.m. or something. Oh, VH1 but too, man. They, they, they take the same five videos and they they play them over and over again, basically. All the single ladies. Yep, you exactly. bet. <laughs> exactly. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Which. So, who do you like when you turn on the radio right now? Who who lights your fire? I do. Believe it or not, I do like Beyonce. Okay. I was totally into Beyonce. We went to uh, Tahoe. You know where Tahoe is? I sure do. I've, I was there uh, uh, a couple summers ago. Okay. Yeah, we went to uh, Tahoe for Christmas. All my family and all the cousins and my wife's family and cousins, we all went out. And they had a DJ at this one of the clubs, like Harris. They got a, a DJ. It was weird. Actually, we went to see my friends, uh, the Nelson brothers, which conversations become almost full circle because, you know, they did a – Tribute to their father, Ricky Nelson. Mm-hmm. So we went to see them, and then we hung out with the Matthew and Gunner for a little while, and then we went to this little DJ thing. And I was like, you know, I'm sitting in the corner, going drinking, drinking my beer, going, oh, please. And then, then, like about an hour later, I'm like, you know, oh, 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 you know, <laughs> I'm dancing and stuff. Yeah, I I like Beyonce a lot, and I've kind of followed her career. I love. Destiny's Child and stuff. But I really like Beyonce. But then I just, I adore, and it's kind of weird to say adore, but John Mayer. God, man, John Mayer's albums, I love his writing. I no, love John Mayer. You know, I'll tell you what's and, great about John is he's completely unapologetic about who he is as, he, a, as, a, as an artist, as a musician. I mean, he, he, but you know, he is definitely cocky. He's definitely cocky. My wife goes, no, oh, he's cool. He's funny. I go, no, he's cocky. <laughs> um, you know, he kn- he knows what's going on. I mean, he's a very, very intelligent guy and funny. And and I really like Gavin DeGraw's couple records sure. he put out. Sure. And I I love Jason Mraz. Okay. I've seen him play twice now. My best friend is crazy about Jason Mraz. She, she just utterly adores him. I don't really get it. He kind of goes over my head a little bit. But my best oh, friend really? is crazy oh, about him. No, no, no. Maybe he goes over your head with... Maybe he talks faster than you do, which I can't believe because you're kind of a fast-talking, intelligent man yourself. <laughs> but I, I like his melodies. I like uh, – granted, I I got to have to dissect those lyrics, some of them. But some of them are great. A couple songs off the Third Eye, new Third Eye Blind record I like. Okay. And I've just got The Circle, Bon Jovi. I'm going to listen to that. I don't know what's that like. I'm going to listen to that. Oh, and uh, you know, I was oh. really crazy about their last album. I haven't, I haven't listened to this new one yet, but I was crazy about Lost Highway a couple of years ago. Yeah, but the one before it too, the like it's my life. Yeah, you know yeah. that. <clears throat> I liked it a lot. And if you could give a little nugget of advice to to some of these bands that are coming up, like I don't know, All American Rejects or Kings of Leon, who are you know oh, deep, uh, deeply uh, melodic. I love All American. Yeah, yeah. I should have. I mean, look at look. I'm not going to give any advice to these young guys like Fall Out Boy or All American Rejects or anything like that. But I would just, if you know, if they're listening, stay true to your your school. You know, when bands start altering, you know, when they start start to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm so comfortable. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna branch out and do something completely different. I, I like it when they kind of stay with the stay in the on the road. Like like I love this band, The Management. You ever heard of them? Uh, no. A- MGMT. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. These two guys, and they got this kind of psychedelic, avant-garde pop, I guess. That's so fucking stupid. I, you know, I have no... Those are the, I don't know the new, the new language. <laughs> but I love this band. I stay true to what you, you, know, you believe in, but, but I would stay on that same road. When you start branching out and stuff like that, then... And also keep the band together. <laughs> keep the band together because when you when you lose one of the band members and you get a new guy, people just don't 
They don't follow you uh-huh. like they used to. And that's so simple, but you better just get along with that guy or kill him. <laughs> that's the only way for you, the band to survive. And then, great, look, you know what? I don't, I don't know if it's getting older or anything with, you know, Mr. Big now or maturity or like having families now in our lives or, or that some of us have lost our families and we're just getting in a different headspace and we don't not taking everything so freaking seriously. Mm-hmm. I used to take things so seriously and I had a real big smart mouth on me and sarcastic and, you know, it was, it was basically I was like, I was hiding behind something. I don't know what it was. And I was very defensive back in the day. And I'm not that way at all anymore. I, I can't even believe that it was the same person who actually could sing. I could pour all this emotion into the song and, and the way I sang it and everything. But, you know, I could be a prick. You know, So I'm not that way anymore. Then the other guys in the band, you know, some of their little problemos are, are gone. And now I look at each other and I go, man, I... I love the, you know, that's one cool thing about, I love being in a band. I love the camaraderie of brothers and Boy Scouts or camping or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it sounds so macho or anything, but like, (laughs) I just love the, the sort of like the team, the club, you know, I've always loved that. Well, I tell you what, I have had a fantastic time talking to you today, and I uh, wish you all the all the luck in the world with this project and with all future projects. I want to tell everybody that you can find Timeless on iTunes, on Amazon. Before I let you go, could I get you to do a promo for my show? Yeah, I can do a promo. Uh, excellent. As long as it includes the words Eric Martin and Brandon's buzz, anything else you say is totally up to you. You can sing if you want to. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin, lead singer for the band Mr. Big. And Mr. Big and beyond. Uh, let me do it again. Hi! Don't matter, I got tall, because I'm a star. Alright. Hello, everyone in the world. This is Eric Martin, and we are on Brandon's Buzz. I've had a wonderful time. Fan- super fantastic time, because I'm the one who wants to be with Brandon Buzz. Uh, let me do it again. That sucks. I would like to interview you one day. I mean, you're a pretty intelligent cat. <laughs> you are very intelligent. You're probably well, hanging around. You're like, you got a little radio station in your bedroom, with your pajamas <laughs> on. You know, your well, cat's probably. Oh, anyway, you know, I've been I've been I a music fan. I just this shit. <laughs> I've been a music freak since I was eight years old, so I I kind of follow everybody. So yeah, you definitely are. Uh, all right. Hi everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm the one, the handsome one that stands right in the middle between Billy Sheehan and Paul Kilburn. Yeah, that's me. Anyway, yeah, I'm still around, but I'm I'm, I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Let me do it again. Let me do something else. That sounds just depressing. <laughs> Actually, it did sound like depressing. It sounds desperate. That's what I was saying. Okay, ready? <laughs> Hello, world. This is Eric Martin, and we're live and kicking. On Brandon's bus. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to do it again. Hi, this is Eric Martin, and we're on Brandon's bus. I've had so much fun since the daddy tipped the keyboard away. That is so stupid. Anyway, I hope you edit all this stuff together. Yeah. I, I've been, I'm pacing my house right now. Like, my, I am pacing. Do you need me to do anything else, or do you need me to get the hell off the telephone? Because now I'm starting to talk like it's uh it's ladies this is a marathon with Eric Martin. <laughs> Your official duties are wrapped up, sir. You are you are free to go. Okay, thank you. I thank you so so much. I'll see you later, man. Thank you very much. It was nice talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was great talking to you as well. Same here. All right. The Bye. fantastic Eric Martin, everybody on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for January fifth, two thousand ten. It's the very first Brandon's Buzz of a new year. And I'm so thrilled that you guys have stuck with me and found the show and all that jazz. Uh, you're listening to the show, so you probably know how to find it. But in case you don't, let me tell you how to find it. Mission Control for Brandon's Buzz is blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. From there, you can listen to the show. You can download the show. You can download old shows. You can leave comments. You can send emails. That's kind of Mission Control for Brandon's Buzz. It's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. 
there at the top of the page in the blue button that says radio is a complete radio archive of all of my past shows. This is show number 49. All 49 episodes are under that blue button that says radio at the top of the page. Just click that button. Uh, from there, you can see a list of dates. You can click on each date, and from there, you can see the great banners that my pal Joanne makes to help me advertise the show, and you can listen to the corresponding show. Uh, again, that's at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com, in the blue button that says radio. It's a radio archive of all the past shows. Uh, you can also find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes right next to Eric Martin. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can download individual old shows as podcasts, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I'm on iTunes, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm all over the place. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check hey it out. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Better when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. <laughs> 